Hey friends, Steve Weens. Welcome to This Good Word. This is part two of a three-part uh, series of reflections that I'm doing based on my time here at Evolving Faith in Denver. Evolving Faith is a conference that is just in its second year, but I think there's 2,500 people here. And the goal of the conference is to gather together if you are what you would call yourself a spiritual wanderer and you feel like your own faith is shifting and you want to be alongside other people uh, because you can tend to feel crazy when the answers that, that used to make total sense for you or the way you looked at God or the Bible or even your own church or religious tribe Maybe it used to make total sense. You never even thought about it. But over time or because of some experience of pain, uh, your faith is shifting and you don't know exactly what to do with it. You're not getting a lot of support maybe from the people within your own religious system or family or tribe. And so this gathering is really uh, meant to be a gathering of hope. And uh, yesterday was a gathering of about 120 faith leaders, uh, and it was led by four Denver area pastors. And they talked about their stories of uh, various um, church experiences of leading their congregations to become meaningfully inclusive. Uh, to some of them were uh, pastors who are gay and and how and used to be evangelical, and now they're not, and how that journey has been. So it's been really enlightening and encouraging. And what I want to say um, just here in part two, really, it is so powerful to hear somebody's story. When, when it, it gets beyond theological debates and it gets beyond, um, you know, points of contention and when the Bible ceases to become a battleground, and you really hear someone who is very faithful to God, to Jesus, and to the scriptures, but their experience is very different from yours. It is, is just so it is just so good for your soul. So I want to say number one, I feel like my soul has been expanded, and I have felt more and more hope, not only for um the religious landscape, the spiritual landscape, uh, even the church in the future, but also for my own place within it. And so I would say two days in, I'm feeling like I can breathe in this air. So it's been, it's been very good. And what I want to talk about for this one, I'm really, you know, yesterday I almost sort of went through my notes and just, and gave some commentary sort of speaker by speaker and topic by topic today. Today, I want to sort of define the terms, just two of them, evolving and faith, because I I really do, I end up talking to so many people. I mean, even last week, three different conversations with people whose faith is evolving, but they just don't have any language for it. So I want to talk about the idea of what it means to evolve and then really what faith is. And so I think, um, first of all, the notion of, of evolving can be threatening when it comes to something that we take so seriously, like faith, and typically in, in the West here, and especially in the United States, and especially within evangelicalism, we, we all were, were, 
we're, I think, taught with most of us were taught with a level of such certainty that that the theology that we were taught, whether it was explicit or implicit, we were taught it in such a way that this is what God is like. This theology, which we bought into, whatever it is, the theology is just the way we think about God, the way we describe God, the way we understand who God is and how God works in the world. Uh, the, the, the fundamental basic understanding for most of us was that what we believed was what God was, was to put it another way, that there was, there was no difference between our theology and just the theology of God, right? We believed in the right one. And with that comes a tremendous amount of certainty, which can really be comforting at a certain time in your life, for sure. And I'm not even going to totally blow up the idea of certainty. I think at some stages in your development spiritually, some amount of certainty is healthy and good. The problem comes when you continue to grow. And so uh, we heard from one, um, one of the speakers today, she said something that was so utterly true, I think, and profound. And she said, I wish the church taught more theologies, plural, rather than theology. And essentially, she was saying, this is the woman that um, has a profound physical disability. And she says, because so much damage is done when there's only a single story in the church about a certain topic, like disabilities. So for example, if you grew up in a church where you were taught, if you have enough faith and you pray for healing, you'll get healed. Then if you don't get healed, then the problem must be with you. Um, there's no problem with God. If you just had enough faith, you'd be healed. And when we when we give when the only when the only examples we give in our sermons or even uh, in front of church when we do you know praise reports or whatever you want to call it, and they're just stories of physical healings, even if they happened. But if that's the only thing you hear and you have something, some disability that has not been healed, then it's just profoundly disturbing and actually harmful. So you don't need to blow up a theology that says sometimes people get healed. You can hold that theology and you can say, we don't exactly know why, but in some, in some cases, people are miraculously healed and it is a good thing. But in other cases, people aren't. And we don't know why, but the reason why they aren't doesn't have anything to do with their worthiness, their faith. Even if you read something in the Bible, you get a proof text that says, you know, if you have a faith that can move mountains, then you can do anything. And people take that. And then if some very sincere person with a profound physical disability who has a lot of faith doesn't get healed, then we just have all kinds of problems. And so she said, the, she said the reason why it's important to talk about theologies instead of just one theology is because we have to be humble enough, each of us, to say that my understanding of God, my theology, is not the same as God. You know, if God is limitless, if God is truly, transcendently other, then there is zero chance 
that any human being has fully understood who God is. And so you have to start with that humility, saying that my theology of God, even if it's even if I have firm convictions, even if I really I really believe this, you can really believe something. You really can, but also hold a humility with that to say that I'm for sure not 100% right. And if experience is any judge, then in if I'm continually growing in my knowledge of this limitless God who is endlessly knowable, then I will probably have a different theology in 10 years, in five years. My theology won't be exactly the same. Um, it may be radically different. It may be slightly different. But if we change over the course of time, then even if you're just so excited about a new thing that you now currently believe, you, you also have to hold that with this humility that you, it is not, that does not define who God is. And it doesn't necessarily help someone else who has a different experience to feel like they have to carry your theology in order to be okay. And I think that's the essential understanding of what it means to have um, a faith that's evolving. And I'll talk about again what I even mean or we even mean by faith, but the nature of that faith is evolving is actually, I think, fundamental to how Jesus understood faith and to really how faith is understood all across the Bible. Uh, for example, one of the speakers today brought up Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a teacher of the law. And there's a story in, in the Gospel of John where Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night and he asks him some questions. Um, and he says something like, we know that you're from God because no one could do the things that you're doing if they weren't from God. So the question is, who is this we? Because it's not all the Pharisees. Certainly not all the Pharisees would admit that, you know, so... There's this little sec, there's this little subgroup of people, and maybe you've been a part of a subgroup like this. Like most of the people just are running down the railroad tracks of the theology that your church believes in. But there's a little, a little group of you that's just started to wonder, like, like, man, there's something else maybe out there, and what do you think? And it's a, it's a circle of doubt and a circle of trust and a circle of wonder ring. Like, are you right? Are you wrong? And so. Maybe Nicodemus is part of one of these circles. Maybe there's these Pharisees that are saying, oh my goodness, like maybe there's more. And then he asked this question, um, and and Jesus replies really guns a-blazing. And, you know, he uses the phrase, you must be born again, and, um, and born of water, and born of spirit. And essentially, Jesus is saying... Um, there, you know, and then Nicodemus uses this sort of ridiculous, you know, question like, Hey, can I be, uh, can I actually climb back into my mother's womb? And, and it's just so ridiculous, but that's just a device that a Pharisee, a really smart Pharisee would use at, as if to say, please explain yourself, please explain more. And then when Jesus says, you know, um, you, in order to really see the kingdom, you have to be born of water and of spirit. And, and, and essentially what he's saying is you, the, and this is what the speaker said today, and I, I agree with him 100% based on my own experience, based on my reading of scripture, is that the system that you're in right now will not lead you to the kind of kingdom reality that I'm talking about. It can't. 
you've gone as far as you can go. I think that's exactly what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus. And it's interesting that that he wasn't saying you're wrong up to this point. He wasn't saying that what you're believing is false. But when you say, like, you must be born of water and born of the Spirit, he's saying that you have to give up control over the, the way that you think about how God works. You, ha- you have to give up control of your theology. You have to give up believing that your theology is the only theology. And that's a work of the Spirit, which you cannot control. And so, and if if the Spirit, whatever the Spirit is, but, you know, the third part of the Trinity, the Godhead, if the Spirit is moving in a certain direction in a certain culture, uh, as the Spirit has done for a couple thousand years now and more, all throughout history, then it, it, that the very nature of that will will not it, it will not fit into any structure or system now that doesn't mean the structure or system is inherently bad it could be bad it could be inherently bad what it really means is that for you to go any further you're probably going to need to transcend that system you're going to need to find a way to um at so- sometimes leave really if your if your own faith needs to grow and it can't in the system that you're in you're going to have to find a way to get outside of that system and that is what it means to have a faith that evolves now i think healthy religious systems it's interesting this was something that was brought up today as well is that even the word religion comes from the word ligament, which means to hold things together. So the function of any good religion, get this, is actually to hold something together. And so if your faith is is evolving and you're feeling scattered and chaotic and your mind is all, all, the, all over the place, actually religion should be the place where you can go to remember the ancient stories, to see where people before you struggled with in a different culture, but struggled with similar kinds of questions. And as their faith evolved, what did they do? And you can learn from it. And that way your faith can be held together as it evolves, right? But instead, so much of religion now is um, to keep certain people out, to set boundaries that um, are completely made by the system and not by God. And so religion typically... when it becomes um, held in power by a certain group of people, um, then then religious groups and religious systems do not become safe places to evolve. And we, we evolve through a series of births, deaths, and resurrections. I think that's the Christian path of spiritual formation, that something is born in us some belief is born in us through an experience or through some transcendent moment with God, maybe through a conversation, maybe through pain or suffering or loss or tremendous love. But over time, as we experience more life and more questions and more um, doubts and more life, what was good and what was born and what was necessary and needed Actually, that very thing, if you're going to keep evolving and keep growing and keep moving toward God, that very thing will need to die. 
And on some level, it makes no sense because, again, we're not calling it bad. We're just calling it it's it's gone as far as it can go. It's come to the end of the line, to use like a train metaphor. Uh, and if you stay on it, you're just gonna keep. You're just gonna go backwards, and you're gonna get frustrated. So that's what it means to um, to evolve. And then something else will be resurrected in its place. Something uh, more, something bigger, more expansive. Something that can handle it. So the very nature, I believe, of Orthodox Christian faith is it is the journey of birth, death, and resurrection. And that's what it means to have a faith that evolves. It doesn't stay the same thing. That's just birth. No, Jesus says to Nicodemus, you have to be reborn. You have to be born again. You have to be uh, born of the water and of the spirit. It has to be something that is um, that is resurrected. Uh, some new life has to come. So then the second thing I think I want to talk about and I hope this is even for some of you life-saving, really. Um, but but faith for 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 so many of us, like we throw the word faith around as if we understand really what it means, and 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 as if we have a um, a really consistently commonly held understanding or description of what faith is. But I think for most of us, honestly, for most of us, faith is believing that what you fear the worst won't happen. <laughs> and we lose faith when that thing that we fear most happens. So we have faith in a certainty that we'll be protected or that our tribe will get to heaven when we die or that this will always happen, this will never happen. And we say, because we believe in God in this way, that grants us something protection or something. Well, that isn't faith, actually. That's a kind of magical thinking and certainty that is based on much more of a pagan understanding of the of satisfying the gods. Because if you really believe that, that you're going to be protected from this or given that as long as you keep believing in a certain God, you're going to keep having to offer up sacrifices to that God. You're going to have to keep and that sacrifices just whatever it is. I mean, there's just a number of things that that, that could be. Um, but um, if, however, you have a faith that is not about assurances, but is more about continually moving in this direction, um, accompanied by God as you suffer, that the God that delivered um, the Israelites from Egypt in Exodus chapter 1 to 14 will be on the lookout for oppression and, um, and will move to save with salvation that is about birth, death, and resurrection. It's very different from providing something that you want or providing safety. Uh, you read the Bible, people died, you know, so your life isn't safe. Um, so that's not faith, making sure that your life is, is going to be safe or making sure that you're going to be safe. That's not faith. Faith, I heard it this way, um, and maybe this doesn't even work for you, but I tend to, it's a start for me is um, 
trusting God with your life and your future, meaning um, the way of love, the way of Jesus, the way of um, the way of sacrificial love. Um, if if we commit ourselves to joining Jesus in that work, um, and we're going to do that so imperfectly. Uh, we're going to need forgiveness. Um, that Jesus actually can carry us in that, because we're going to try to do that. We're going to try to join Jesus in that work. We're going to we're going to figure out how how ultimately maybe burned out we get, or maybe we we're going to try hard to do that, and then we're going to realize that we can't. And then we're going to in that moment of brokenness of giving up. We're gonna we're gonna receive a kind of resurrection that is um, so much bigger than being protected, so much bigger than safe, that actually launches us into a kind of fearlessness that come what may. Um, I'm on the side of love, and I have very little to defend, and I have very little to fear, um, because I'm living from a different modus operandi. I'm living as a resurrected, sort of translucent, um, vibrant, spirit-infused, Jesus-centered, love-imbibing force. Um, And I just, even if you get killed, uh, a life in Christ, and I know this is so impossible maybe for some of us to believe, but what's the alternative? Um, is that that's not the end of the story, right? That's life, death, resurrection. So even our faith that keeps evolving um, doesn't end, our faith doesn't end when the worst thing happens to us. Uh, Sometimes when you have a kind of faith that can endure beyond the worst thing happening and you realize it didn't take you out, that's, again, when you realize faith is so much bigger than making sure that what you hoped for happened um, and making sure that what you feared didn't. It's just fundamentally bigger than that. So, my friends, evolving faith. Um, I almost think <laughs> it's, like, redundant, you know? Because to have a kind of faith that is real... It, it cannot be static. If it's static, then you're you're trusting in, in a certainty. Faith is the opposite of certainty. Faith is believing in things yet seen. And that's even from the Bible. So there you go. So my friends, I, I hope this little series is helpful. Hopefully I'll do one more. I'll, I'll post that one early next week. Um, but I hope this is helpful. Because I really do, I find that I really do care a whole lot about my own journey of evolving faith, but helping people uh, who feel like they are wrong and alone and scattered and losing it to believe that, no, 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 your faith is just changing. So you're graduating, and you should be happy about that, (laughs) even if it's painful and even if it's really, really tough. So stay tuned for next week. Uh, I'm thinking Monday or Tuesday I will release part three because I have one more day here at Evolving Faith. And then I'm home. 
And then I get to preach at my little community on Sunday and go see my boys and my wife and my dog. And that'll be very, very good. So grace and peace, my friends. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to This Good Word. If you love this podcast, there's three ways that you can support my work. One is by jumping on Patreon, patreon.com slash thisgoodword. You can become a patron at various levels and get lots of good free stuff, including free tickets to any live events that I do, signed books, and other stuff. The second way is to share your favorite episodes via Twitter and Facebook, uh, email, however it is that you share content. Let some friends know that you love it. And then third is to go on iTunes and leave a rating or a review. So thanks so much, my friends. We are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human and holy, and we are in it together.